Asset Radio. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Bass Edge National listeners, welcome to another episode. This is the June 1 edition. Aaron, I almost want to call it uh, slightly the post-traumatic corona episode things are opening up my friend they are opening up kurt and uh matter of fact i was able to uh, me and the family was able to actually go down and do a little hiking in tennessee down on the tremont uh smoky mountains beautiful area but uh kind of connect with nature and hopefully i'll be connecting with a bass uh before too long how about yourself yeah i tell you what aaron i've been guiding a little bit out here on amistad and the fishing has been really really good i have been guiding i don't know i want to say like 15 days over the last several months and i can't remember a day i've caught less than 50 fish it's been that good out here you know when a lake is fishing that good it can make the guide look uh really smart (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i mean you often forget when it gets that good and and you're like holy smokes uh but yeah how much fun is that to be able to do i noticed the social media posts that you've been doing i mean not only numbers but man just quality yeah getting some good ones and you know now that we're right in june it's starting to fade a little bit, you know, at that springtime, good big bite. You know, you get those big fish in the spring. And then as you know, postpone was still really good. We, we had some great things happening in postpone, still catching some quality fish now and then. But you can definitely tell that there's that that beginning to decline a little bit. The fish are getting a little skinnier. They're kind of moving out and spreading out, you know, some still shallow, but some moving deep. So as they start to spread out, it does, you know, get a little little bit tougher but it's still a lot of fun and of course the challenge is always breaking down the fishery and uh, that's that's part of what I love about guiding part of what I love about tournament fishing as well but I tell you Aaron I'm about to break down the fishing here at Lake Amistad with kids camp coming up yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I was actually talking with Tori at MegaWare Keelguard. Of course, MegaWare has been one of our uh, longtime partners since the beginning of Bass Edge. And be sure to check out their website at keelguard.com for the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the skeg guard, and now the battery guard, the pontoon guard. The list goes on and on. Be sure to visit keelguard.com. But in that conversation, Kurt, she was wondering, is, and, and I got on the discussion with her. I said, because really, I don't know, but we were going to be taping. Camps are open. They're good to go. And everything's uh, running full speed. Yes. Yeah. Texas is uh, kind of leading. I don't want to say they're leading the nation because some places didn't even close up, but on places that had big stay at home orders and a lot of restrictions at one time, they have uh, been able to kind of expand their uh, businesses and things that are happening. And as of May 31, we are rocking. So we're stoked and, and happy to have a June 3 through 7, our first camp course, you know, throwback to the challenge the f45 challenge last fall aaron we're going to be able to use that one thousand dollar donation from bass edge for the camp as well so we're going to be giving out some uh awesome scholarships and uh then in session two which is we're doing back-to-back camps this year so session two is going to be june 9 through 13 really expecting the fishing to be great for both sessions so uh top water action this time of year is always good still got some nice hydrilla growing in the 
lake. You're going to have some, uh, you know, bluegill spawning and those kinds of things. So it, it should be an excellent camp, Aaron. Fantastic. I cannot wait to uh, not only hear about it, but also see the photos and the smiles on the faces um, from those youngsters that uh, really get in there and get after it. I know last year I remember the stories of, of catching the big fish and things that take place. Those are memories and uh, just really taking their education to another level and you're giving them a skill for a lifetime we're improving on because you got to remember a lot of them that are coming to you already have the skill they're just honing it a little further so anyway you guys do a great job with what you have going on down there yeah it's it's gonna be great Aaron I tell you what we've got a big show coming up we're gonna have to keep moving into our next segment but hang tight we're gonna have a short tip right here from protecttheharvest.com this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with BASS elite angler John Cruz. Thanks, Kurt. I tell you, the Neko rig is one of the newest, hottest techniques out there. It is all over in Japan, and it's a, just a matter of time before it's all over here in the U.S. And let me just break it down for you real simple. You take a straight worm, you put a nail weight in the head of the worm, and then you take a hook like you would wacky rig, and you wacky rig right in the middle of the worm. So what you get is a bait that falls further down in the water column than a regular wacky worm, but you get that wacky worm action. Now, the missile baits quiver was designed, you know, specifically for this technique, but you can use a bunch of different straight worms, find out what works best for you. You're gonna use weights anywhere from 1 32nd of an ounce up to 3 16ths of an ounce, depending on how deep you wanna fish. You can have that bait fall slower and fish it higher in the water column. This bait does not have to be on the bottom. You can let it go to the bottom and fish it there if you like, but all you're gonna do is throw the bait out there, make real subtle rod tip motions so that that worm will pulse and really just kind of quiver in the water, if you will. And then that bait, you, know, you may want to let it settle down a little further in the water column. You're going to make those same soft, subtle movements with your rod, reeling slowly, maybe at the same time, letting that bait fall back down. Fish this thing relatively slow and just hold on. Make sure you tie a good knot. And once you get the feel of this Neko rig, you will not believe how many fish will actually eat this thing. That's awesome stuff. Thanks for the tip, John. Brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Kurt, normally, you know, I think of June 1st, uh, school is out uh, 
in this case, it's been out for a while, so kind of different, <laughs> right. different there. But you know, in, in my brain, whether it's right or wrong, it's it's almost that that transition into summertime fishing, and uh, you know, the temperature generally starts getting pretty hot. Uh, maybe even, yeah. even doing some night fishing, but the bait selection and kind of what we are targeting starts to change a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Aaron, one of our partners, Bass Angler Magazine, big shout out to uh, Mark Lassane out there. You know, the, the summer issue is now out. And if you're not getting Bass Angler Magazine, let me just give you a little sneak peek into some of the things of a summer issue. You know, Mark really breaks this down. He's got some destination information, of course, kayak fishing. You know, that's a huge growing segment in our industry and uh, what I really love about Bass Angler Magazine particularly this summer issue is technique specific segments you know we've got the summer shallow patterns with Bobby Lane he talks about you know how to get up shallow and and knee deep right when you're catching some summertime bass Wesley Strader still talks about throwing the bladed jig in the summertime um, of course Randy Howe how could you not listen to Randy Howe dissect yeah. rip rap right which classic was that Aaron was that uh, 20 17, I think it was at Gunnersville. He did a good job of dissecting some riprap on Gunnersville. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, so so uh, Rick Morris, you know, he's throwing it down on upsize or downsize. Stephen Browning, Brandon Card, man, just so much great information and uh, really love following through on my Bass Angler magazine everywhere. There's so many great magazines out there, Aaron, but this is a top-notch one, and it's from the west side, which I really like because lots of new techniques and ideas come from the west side in bass fishing, as we know from historical information. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And uh, certainly, as we've mentioned many times, Mark does a fantastic job with the entire publication and, and also the education. Um, any particular uh, bait stand out for you this time of year, Kurt? Of course. You know, Aaron, I, I lean on top water this time of year, especially the early morning bite. You know, I feel like it's an important time of day. Uh, get out early. Uh, you know, this stands for me starting in June, especially down here in the southern states. Um, but all the way through July and August, get out the first several hours are typically the most productive. Now, if you have on some current reservoirs, of course, you, you might want to look at the generation schedule. Those can help be productive as well because it really gets some of those those deeper fish biting and, you know, kind of fired up on the ledges. So uh, but I, I really like for me, Aaron, getting up early getting out there throwing the top water i'm a little stick i gotta tell you if you watch my social media been blasting on the i'm a little stick it's a big bait but it doesn't like overpower what's going on but it has a big presentation so that's a big hit for me how about you aaron what's your favorite bait this time of year yeah so uh just with the reservoirs that i fish uh you know i'm starting to really after the top water let's say if i've maximized the top water mm -hmm. bite by chasing shade as much as possible and, and that starts to die down uh, you know probably i'm going to be leaning heavily on a football jig that's just really one of the the go-to baits for the areas that i fish that works really really well and getting out there and kind of stroking that jig and uh, really hanging on Kurt I mean that's that's really what it comes down to for me awesome well everybody hang on tight we got a great interview coming up with maybe the best angler in the world stay tuned listen find out you're gonna like this come on right back at you Bass Edge Radio 
I am BASS Elite Series Pro Chad Pipkins. This is Bass Master Classic Champion Casey Ashley. I am Marcus Sakura, FLW All-American Champion. This is FLW Tour Champion JT Kenny, and be sure to stay tuned right here to Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Nation, as promised, the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight brings us arguably the best angler on the planet. Maybe not even arguably, maybe just straight up the best angler on the planet right now is our guest on today's show. He has accomplished so much. We haven't spoken to him in a little while now, but we look forward to breaking down some of his fishing prowessness today. Great to have back on the show, Jacob Wheeler. Jacob, we appreciate you taking time to be with us on Bass Edge Radio. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a little while, but man, a lot of stuff is definitely going down. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm more excited to get out there and start competing again, get out of this quarantine and get back on the water and start competing. Well, I'm sure you are, Jacob. I only imagine, but we'll try not to keep you too long, but we do want to tap into uh, what happens between your ears that makes you so successful. And like you mentioned, it has been a little while since you've been a guest here on Bass Edge. Mm-hmm. And probably to say that things have evolved is is just the beginning or an understatement. It was the fall of 2012 after your FLW Cup win on Lake Lanier. We chatted September <laughs> fishing. And when I take you back and, and you more or less reminisce as you basically burst onto the scene in 2011 through 2014. How are you a different angler today? You know, I think that, you know, back when I started my rookie season in 2012, I had the knowledge of fishing just a few different patterns and what has sort of worked for me in Indiana. You know, I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I used a lot of the things that I learned there on tour. You know, I still fished offshore a little bit. I love fishing shallow, I love throwing top waters, but it, it was definitely a huge learning experience every single year. You try to work. The biggest thing that I, I look at as an angler and, and beyond a national circuit, you have to be versatile. Um, mm. You know, I think the days of being one dimensional, or if you're a specialist, and I've said this before, specialists. You know, it's a little bit different now. Back in the day, your your flippers, your your Denny Browers, your you know, those guys could have phenomenal years. Now it's almost become a deal where you almost have to be a generalist. Now you can be a specialist at a couple different techniques, but you have to be right. good at just about everything. And so now, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing that I've started to you know, from the, there to now, I feel like I, I know just so much more. Not, I mean, time on the water is everything, and there is no substitute for that. I know it's cliche, and everybody talks about this, and, but that is the biggest thing, going through the years and seeing scenarios and seeing weather changes and how fish react. 
all of those things allow for you to make better decisions on the water. You know, you put those in your the back of your mind and think, okay, that's that's time I see that scenario, I need to remember that one went down like that, you know. And you know, I'm still learning day in and day out. But that's right. the biggest thing now is just having that knowledge a little bit more now and being able to make more solid, concrete decisions throughout the events. And quick decisions. I often see you make some decisions on the water, especially in the MLF format, right? I mean, you've got to make quick decisions to to capitalize on an area that you've come across, right? Because it's not always that you just you have a shorter practice period. You've got to evolve quicker and dissect what is in front of you. I, I remember the Ufala event. You know, you started throwing a, a spinner bait in the wind over top of some brush. And, and a lot of people mm-hmm. might just throw a crankbait through some stuff like that, right? Or or maybe drag a worm or something like that. But all of a sudden, you made one little change and it rocketed you, right? How, how do you explain yeah. some of those things? You know, those are the things that, that you don't see – every angler making that kind of adjustment. So like Aaron said previously, kind of digging into the in-between ears of Jacob Wheeler right now, how does that evolve for you? You know, I, I always try to come up with a game plan and this is the thing, okay? I feel like the great, the great fishermen like in this day and age, in my mind, mm-hmm. they don't get too dialed in in practice. This is something that I, I stress so important. I enjoy going out there and getting bites But sort of in that follow event, I went and graphed around. I idled around. I looked around. I found tons of brush piles, tons of hard spots, a few schools. The water was really dirty. But I knew conditions were going to change. I really, straight up, between you and I, I only had – I fished two brush piles, I think, in practice. Two brush Mm -hmm. piles. I've had, like, probably 150 or 200 or something stupid like that. But the thing was, I didn't want to get locked in to doing one thing. Right. So – I actually started that. I ended up catching them on a vibra, a lipless crankbait in the middle of that tournament to get through and actually qualify to the championship round. But most of all my fish came deep, but they were more hard spots and schools of fish. And so, you know, I'm just a warming trend happens. Like I'm not trying to like dial things in the warming trend happens. And I'm like, man, they should be up there shallow, but the water drops. Right. So water's like 60 degrees. It's February. You know, you're thinking, man, they might might be getting up there around cypress trees and some docks and this and that. So I'm trying to keep that open mind, you know, in the morning in the first period and it doesn't work out. So I'm like, man, hmm, what, you know, conditions are telling me like, hey, I I abandoned, basically, I abandoned my offshore pattern, at least in that morning to go fish what I believe was the best developing pattern that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now that I went back to fishing, it was so crazy because I went back to fishing some brush and I'm starting to work my way up the lake and All I right. get one bite. I, I cast it out there and I'm sort of half willy nilly cast. I'm reeling and I'm about to, <laughs> you know how when you get to where you're reeling that spinning bait in, like can you start reeling a little bit faster and it stomps it. And, and, and I'm like, huh. So I catch one. Well, I'm like, well, heck, I'm going to run a couple more. So I catch like a three pounder. And I go to the next one, catch another one. And I'm like, all of a sudden, my wheels start turning a little bit. I'm like, okay. And so those are the decisions you, you have. Sometimes I feel like the days in a tournament fisherman's, you know, like when you force things, you don't have as good of tournaments. When you keep an open mind and you let things come to you, that's a big reason why I have so many rods on the deck. Because I just like making adjustments. And many adjustments can make or break you in an event. You know, and a right. lot of times I've not made a cast or caught a bass on a, on a bait that's on my deck. But 
if I do get on a bite and I think that that will work potentially, or I see a tree and I need to flip that jig in there or whatever it might be. And then I run that pattern all of a sudden, you know, that might be the winning pattern, you know? And I think that is the biggest thing that, you know, I've tried to get better at as I've, I've grown throughout my career. It's not getting locked into one thing. Now, sometimes getting locked into one thing is good, but most of the time, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're going to get burnt sooner or later. Sure, sure. Man, that's that's a, a deep response and, and appreciate that breakdown. Really important to make sure keeping an open mind there for our listeners. And you hear so many times, oh man, I caught him on this yesterday and I fished it all day today and I didn't catch him. That's that's doesn't sound like any kind of trap that Wheeler is going to get into, fortunately, and, and a trap that we want to make sure we keep away from for for our weekend anglers, you know, guys listening to the show and and making sure you keep that open mind and, and breaking it down how Wheeler does it. That I like that a lot. Jacob, I kind of got off on this one little thing I wanted to ask you, you know, and maybe I'm asking something I should already know, but your last response in answer to that question made me think of this too, and that is, where did the slogan ding evolve from? Because that sounds exactly like what happened. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you're, you're running around the lake and you got something figured out and you're fishing, you know, the moment, as we've heard Ike and Ellie say many, many years Absolutely. ago, and then ding, right? That That has <laughs> kind of yeah, become yeah, your thing. Absolutely. So where did that come from? And, and tell me what you think of when, Absolutely. when you explain. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it's hilarious because like uh, back in, I think it's like 2017 ish. Um, okay. Justin Connell and Mark Daniels are my travel right. guys. And then Adrian right. as well now. But back in the day, it was it was us three. And we traveled. We were fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series. And um, we were always had a little inside joke of this deal. DC would mess around. And DC is just a dang jokester, man. And, he, and we're talking back and forth. And it was an inside joke of Dean. And so, like, one day we're, like, talking, like, dude, I dare you guys. The next fish we catch, you got to ding it if it's a big one. Or – if it's like a moment, like a really special moment, right? Like it's a special, it's like between us. So we're all sitting there and it's like, I remember doing it on my YouTube channel, like on one and I was like, people are like, what the heck's ding? And then Mark <laughs> goes to Oahe and he's dinging out there and he wins Oahe. <laughs> right, and, right. and so then we just sort of, it just sort of happened. And we use it for everything. It's not, it's just, it, it's completely genuine. Right, it's something right. that we've done so much and we're like, dude. And we also use it for the term, like when they're offshore, like, dude, they were dinged up on that thing, freaking offshore hump. Like, oh my gosh. But most of the time it's sort of like a, a deal when things are going well, you know, and you catch a big fish, you take the lead or something's happening good. You got to hit the ding. So that's sort of how it all started. But that's, like it. um, it's an inside joke between us three. And it's become a deal where we, we constantly are, we hope if we're dinging, it's going to be a good thing. Hey, look, well, let me let me say it's a, it's evolved tremendously. I was on a guide trip just a week and a half or so ago, and I had a young angler with me, actually a very, very good young angler with me. And uh, he was catching younders and dinging all day long. So so you guys are rubbing <laughs> off on some people, let me tell you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, Jacob, I, I certainly all of us have a great appreciation and great respect in our hearts go out to those that have been inflicted by the virus or suffered from the virus. Um, you know, but the reality is that, that there's been an, an emotional impact on all of us uh, as a result.
result of just kind of what we face. And I almost feel like as anglers, you know, perhaps uh, we're like the classic car that that's been parked in the garage for a year. And now we've got to drain the gas and the fuel out of it just to, to get it started again. And, you know, I'd kind of like, and Kurt, this goes for you too. As you guys prepare for tournament competition again with uh, the MLF, BPT, uh, FLW, what comes to mind that will help you get ready to compete again? Well, I mean, that's a, it, it's a tough one because we have been out of these events for so long. And, you know, I, I actually started a deal on YouTube that's uh, called Pro Bash Shootout. And so I've been doing a few of those on my YouTube channel, which is an MLF format. We actually, the last one we did was a team event. That was a huge help. Like, and that was the main reason I wanted to do something like that. Number one, there's not much live or streaming going on right now, obviously, with all the organizations as of, you know, have been shut down. So that was a huge help for me on my side, because even though I don't have a $100,000 paycheck at the end of the deal, and you might be doing it for bragging rights or a couple hundred dollars, just the fact of being able to be out and compete against a great caliber of anglers, and then also um, making decisions on the water with the clock. That is the biggest thing I feel like that you can't do while just going out there and practicing and messing around. The clock always is, is winding down, whether you're in a five fish format tournament and you got to get back to weigh in, or if you're, you have score tracker and you're, you're on MLF and you're trying to sit there, you're trying to analyze how you're going to fish every period. The clock, it what does not stop. <laughs> right. So that is the biggest thing that I feel like has helped me. I, I'm hoping that it bene- it's beneficial um, going into Toho starting here um, very shortly. Yes. Yeah. Kurt, what about you? So I uh, appreciate that, Jacob. And, and for me, it's it's the guiding. You know, uh, constantly yeah. needing to keep on top of moving fish and producing for someone that's paying. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I, you know, I'm not getting a hundred thousand dollar check and, and I've never had a hundred thousand dollar check as of yet in my career, but even say a $10,000 check at the end of the day, but, Absolutely. but I need to keep, keep that spirit of competitive to, you know, supply a fun an informative and productive day for guide clients. So I never get complacent. If there's a pattern that I was on that I feel like I need to adjust, I have to adjust quickly because I can't go back to the end of my day and say, hey guys, I called him really good yesterday. I just we just didn't do very good today because that's not being a good guide, right? So so I feel like that is helping me tremendously and and kind of keeping those those spirits and those juices and keeping me, I think the basic word here is from being complacent about being just fishing, but being, you know, active and uh, having something on the line is, is super important. So for me, that's what that's what that's been. Jacob, you talked a little bit earlier about your YouTube channel and, you know, in that last question and uh, talked about different things you're doing. Man, you've done a great job. I got to tell you, you've done a great you, job man. marketing, doing some awesome things out there. You've got a great following on your YouTube channel, on all your social channels and 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 uh, really, it, if there's anything that I've seen in a huge change since, you know, the last five years, it has been your marketing. You've taken it to a whole new level. But this year, you've taken something else to a whole new level, and that is your electronics. I remember watching mm-hmm. a YouTube video earlier this year. I think it was in January or February, talking about your move to basically use the three big manufacturers and what you felt like was the best way to put the best of each ability together on your boat 
for your competition days in 2020. I'm interested Absolutely. to hear, you know, we you've been been using these electronics for, you know, four months now, more or less, uh, maybe maybe even more time to learn since we've had this off spell. So maybe you've had some more time to play around with it where well, you can't play around with it quite as much in competition. But certainly when you're just out on the lake looking at things, can you break down your electronics a little bit for us and how now that you've, you know, come through this three or four month period what are your thoughts about things that maybe you thought were big advantages but maybe didn't materializing as well or some things that maybe surprised you about your setup of units yeah so you know just real quick here on on the back on my console i run uh hds live 12 and then i run uh, i believe it's a helix 12 um back there and so i have side imaging and down imaging on both of those units um and then up front, I have uh, a Garmin for panoptics. I have a Lorance for my mapping and my 2D and more waypoint management because I know a Lorance unit really backwards and forwards. And then I have uh, the Humbert up there with Mega 360. So that was sort of my whole setup. And, that, and this is the thing, like I wanted to do something that I ultimately felt like which I sort of felt like you follow was going to be an offshore event. And I, I don't know if I would have won. I'm, I'm almost positive I would not have won. You follow without that setup and being able to be more efficient. And that's more what it is about than anything is okay. being more efficient, you know, when I'm out there on the water. Um, but the big thing that I've seen, one thing that you're going to have to figure out is when you do all this is interfering. It's, it's something you're going to have. To, I mess around with moving transducers and moving cables and running different stuff. It's it, it just bound to happen and you get a little interference sure. here and there. And, it, and, and you know what's crazy is, is one thing that I, I will tell people that people don't understand is sometimes your down imaging, your side imaging transducers, they go bad or they get older and they aren't as good or crisp of an image on both our ants and hummingbird. I've seen this happen. Um, where maybe you might hit a log or maybe it gets older, you, you know, your cable you know, has a little kink in it or whatever it might be. I've seen this. So that's another thing that I got to figure out potentially to be swapping out transducers in the middle of the season. And that'd be even more expensive. So when you're yeah. paying for them. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables. I mean, the big reason what I did was I, I know the Lord in the, in the going back to the console, mega imaging and side imaging, you know, uh, Humbert has some of the best, but you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, they're different in like, sometimes I can, see better on my Lorant side scan over my side imaging on my hummingbird. Like I can see like more fish or see them in it. Like they might come up on shadows on my hummingbird or they might, but then on my Lorant, I'll see them as white dots or whatever. Yeah. So there's, you know, in, in a lot of times, this is the thing. They both do the same thing I've learned. Like you're seeing the same image, but just sometimes it's more obvious mm-hmm. on one over the other. And then up front, you know, it's been more so just trying to figure out the whole 360 panoptics thing. Panoptics is phenomenal. It's great. But I've also seen where it negatively can hurt you too because you're fishing for these fish that are just around everywhere. Like you're just like it's They're just maybe it's inactive and not biting. It's hard to get them exactly. to go. Exactly. Right. And there's times that I'd just sit there and I'd be messing with them and I can't give them a bite. I'm like, don't go anywhere, you know? And, and <laughs> right. sometimes it's tough. This is the thing, you know, people are like, man, fish don't have a chance with these electronics. No doubt the electronics have gotten better. But listen, these fish adapt day in and day out. They know, like, listen, when the Alabama rig came out, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, Alabama rig is going to be really bass fishing. Well, them suckers learned real quick not to buy an Alabama rig. You know, yeah. and I think it's the same thing with 
as they get more pressure, it gets tougher, you know, to get those fish to bite. Now, I've not had a ton of time to get offshore because um, this is a little bit later of a, a right. year. You know, I feel like a lot of our fish are behind around my house. Hell, there's a decent number of them, probably still 50% of them that are still spawning, which is crazy to think, but, you know, it just sort of seems like it's a couple weeks behind. So I've yes. not really got a chance to mess around with them as much as I would like. You know, every in the, fir- the first event, I got a fish my setup to the best of my ability, but then obviously you um, go into Lake Fork when they were spawning really good there, yes. and then going to Okeechobee, really your electronics wasn't going to be a major player there. But I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm still learning stuff with it, but I feel like there's an advantage, and I and like people are always asking like, all right, do you, do you 360 over pan optics and this right, and that? But right, two, right. They're two different things, and, yes, and it's so. Yes. There's just so many variables with the whole thing, but I, I definitely think it's, it's helped me out for sure. Well, I appreciate you breaking that down, man. I think it's great that uh, you're able to to provide that. You know, you said in your YouTube video, and if somebody al- aligns with a company and they get stuck into just not necessarily just pushing that product, but just knowing and understanding that product better than the other mm-hmm. product. And now you're in a position where you're going to continue to learn, continue to evolve. Uh, this is the great thing about Jacob Wheeler that he's done his entire career is is just keep upping the game and and i see this now in the electronics i'm going to be interested to continue to watch how this progresses and um it's it's uh we're, we're gonna stay in touch <laughs> we're gonna stay Absolutely. in touch and uh keep watching that youtube channel and breaking all that stuff down so it's cool man i'm glad you could do that not just for yourself but for everybody quite honestly it's going to be cool to, to see how the time evolves with this process so yeah i mean it, it sort of you know another thing is like i, I went out with mark you know obviously MBJ is a good buddy of mine. And yeah. Like I'm always interested to see what each electronics company has and how good it is and how's their size can, how's their downs can, how's their 2D, how's this, how's that. And they all have their own little deals. Like they all do. I've actually got to the point where I feel like Garmin's 2D is better than any of them. Wow, like it's yeah. crazy. I'm like, Garmin's is better than Lorance and Humbert's. But then, yeah. you know, so it's interesting. And then that was the big thing for me was more so going to this was more so to be real with my viewers and the people that follow yeah. me day in and day out and subscribers to the channel. Because you want to be real and you want, like, I think that that's something that is changing the, in the sport of bass fishing is like, listen, if I didn't catch them on, if I caught them on a 6XD and I told you I caught them <laughs> on a DT20, I lose my credibility. Right. And I'm not going to, I don't want to do that, you know, and I'm not going to sit there and play you can't, that game. can't do that anymore, right? Everything's Absolutely live, not. everything's on, it's, it's real time it's yeah there is no more of that stuff yeah yes and so it comes to the point now is just being real and yeah. i feel like this allows me to sort of like all right hey listen i'm just gonna tell you guys what i think and it doesn't mean it's right it doesn't mean it's my own opinion i'm just my opinion on, on what i've seen there might be somewhere else in the country that this is better and that's why because it's both bottoms this way and whatever but it is definitely um a important deal is just being real and i feel like that is something that that has allowed me to be more so than locked into a contract and be like, oh, it's the best thing ever, <laughs> you know, yeah, and everything yeah. else. Awesome stuff, Jacob. We're going to take a quick break, a power pull down here. Listeners, don't go away. Aaron and I will be back with more with Jacob Wheeler. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, power pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, power pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power pole, swift, silent, secure. 
Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Message Radio presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with MLF BPT Pro Angler Jacob Wheeler in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. Be sure to check out the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Jacob, I know you have spent a lot of time offshore during the post-spawn and summer months. What is the biggest key that is telling you it is time to get out off the bank after the spawn? I feel like the biggest thing that really, you know, it's all different throughout the country, but, and there's different parts of lakes that they go through cycles a little bit differently. And some fish will spawn earlier in the backs of the creeks and when they will on the main lake and certain sections of the lake, you know, go earlier than, than most. Um, but the biggest thing that I look for is when you get those hot summer days, you get those summer days that, dog days the summer is start to hit that's when i'm starting to be like okay I, I probably need to get off the bank a little bit and start looking for these fish you know when you're starting to see a lot of fry garters up shallow and they're starting to dwindle a little bit you're not seeing nearly as many fish spawning maybe a few bucks up there that's a pretty good indicator that there's some fish offshore it doesn't mean that they're all offshore but it definitely means that they're starting to make their way that way and i, and I think the water temperature plays a huge deal because like when the water's cooler you know in the 60s i would say that'd be a cooler may like it is here um, or at my house right now it takes them longer to make their move they sort of stop they hang out it's not as important for those fish to get out there the bait i think stays present a little bit you normally have a shad spawn that happens in the middle of all that but the faster it, that water temperature gets into the 70s and then especially in the upper 70s that's when they're like hey i gotta get out there where I, where I like to live at now that does not mean that all the fish go deep there's still plenty of fish that stay shallow all year long um and anglers make their livings no doubt shallow all year long but that is when I feel like the majority of the fish try to make their move. For instance, on a lake up there in Indiana on Geist Reservoir, I was up there in the first week of June, and it was 70 degrees, and I felt like they should be offshore. There was a couple of them out there that I came back two weeks later after a BVT event in Wisconsin, and they were all out there. You know, it just happens in a matter of, like, in a week or two span of you get some hot weather, things change, you know, bait moves, and all of a sudden the big migration of bass start to show up. I like it. You know, Jacob, we talked a little bit in the first segment about electronics. We, we we broke down your setup, but obviously the exceptional nature of where we're at in electronics these days, it crowds up, right? I mean, there's lots mm -hmm. of people fishing offshore all over the place once those things transition, as you speak of. How do you adjust to that offshore pressure? seems like the early fish, they group up, they're ready to chew. But as things yeah. progress, they start seeing more pressure. How do you adjust as summer moves into more mid, late June, even maybe early July? What's Jacob Wheeler's secret on pressure offshore? You better find you some sneaky holes. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, that is. I mean, I try my hardest to find places that are sneaky or, or places that most people would not grab or look at. But it's hard to find fish on those bodies, on, on places that don't look that great because the majority of them live on the community holes. That's why I love community holes. But at that point in time, I do feel like there's a point where I think shallow is the new deep. Okay. I feel like it's getting to that point where 
I remember four or five years ago on the Tennessee River and a lot of these bodies of water where places that were semi-obvious never got any pressure. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And with more tournaments going to these fisheries and guys running around and guys having better electronics and everything else, it's become a deal where everybody almost knows everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's a deal where in a tournament situation, I've got caught in this before. So like a pickwick, I, I was graphing around for an FLW tour event. I, I, I don't know, I found 35 schools of bass, 35 schools. I ran from the launch way up there towards the dam down to the other dam and right. never got on one of them because I never found anything <laughs> that was odd or obscure. There was boats on everything. Wow. I, and I found, you know, and so it, it comes to the point sometimes I feel like, because people ask me this, and I think it's even worse now because we have so much knowledge and the electronics are getting better. So it's, it's almost to the point where I'm starting to move more shallow in the middle of that transition. You know, and that's become a deal where I feel like you can stay out there and you might figure out a bait they buy, or, you know, and that's, that's a big thing is showing them something a little bit different, mm-hmm. but to stay out there. But I feel like there's fish that are shallow that do not get the pressure they used to because so many people are caught up with fishing out deep, you know, and, and, and that's something that, Sometimes those fish just get forgot about. You know, those fish, not every bass in the lake goes deep. And those fish are pressured more now than they ever have been. And I feel like that's why you're going to start to see guys that, you know, making transitions and, and catching fish in that mid-depth range, you know, six foot and less, maybe even stuff you can't graph, and then catching them up there on the bank and just uh, just fishing fish the bank. Well, Jacob, while we're on the topic of deep fishing, often talked about are the deep water ledge patterns, particularly with Uh, current oriented lakes what are the biggest differences you find when fishing lakes that are less manipulated by the current factor and how do you attack those differently you know it's interesting because i feel like fish that get grouped up at night they leave those places i feel like i you know like even like i've fished at night around the house on this river and they leave a lot of those offshore schooling places they get schooled up on and so that can be tough, you know, it, what happens is they leave and then they go up there shallower and they come back. So I feel like there's times like, I feel like the same thing. I feel like later in the afternoons on offshore fish is the best, hands down. If I had a time to fish, any point in time to fish, I would fish from, for offshore fish anywhere in the country. It would be from like four o'clock in the afternoon to dark. Because that is when the fish like seem to be grouped up the best. And, and sometimes it's current related here on the Tennessee River. Sometimes it's just a fact that it allows those fish to go through the full process of the day. And they were up there shallow throughout the night. They finally get grouped back up. And, they, and I think that's a lot of what it is. It takes some time. Now, I have seen it to where first thing in the morning is really good as well. Like it seems like a handful of the ones that are there. There's normally not as big a group of fish there, say, if there's a 20 fish school sitting on a, on a point at four o'clock in the afternoon, there might only be six of them there at daylight that have made their way back. But those fish are definitely apt to bite first thing. And then it sort of transitions as fish are scattered out. And then maybe the current runs on, on the Tennessee river, but, or if it's not current related at all, then it just takes them a little bit while to get back. And it's the same deal at 12 o'clock. They start showing back up or 11 o'clock. You know, and it seems like that 12 to 2 mark is when they, like in tournament fishing, is when they really start to make their way back to where they're going to be at, you know. So I, I've seen it to where it's like, you, you know, you can be, maybe even sometimes find them in transit. So I, it, it's always so interesting to me, though, because 
there is little bite windows, and it seems to me that the later in the day it gets, no matter if it's current-related, not current-related, any body of water seems to be better for me. Well, great explanation, Jacob, but one, I guess, piece to tie on here as we begin to shut down is what, in your opinion, is the new bait on tour that will fetch some of those deep water bass that maybe the weekend angler hasn't tried yet but should? You know, I, I'm always looking for that next bait, trust me. We all are. But, you know, I, I don't think there really is one right now. You know, it was the spoon, the hair jig, and then, you know, I think it's gone back to more traditional style stuff. You know, your big 10-inch worms and your jigs and your traditional stuff continues to catch them. You know, I feel like um, the one thing that I have had success on as of late a little bit more, you know, normally we're – when we get on these big schools of fish, whatever, we try to, you know, throw like a, a six inch or, you know, seven inch bass tricks or this or that. I've actually gotten to the point where I've downsized a little bit more over the years and, and always have like a little four inch uh, storm Largo shad. And it's, it's a little swim bait, it's like a shad profile. It's actually in the coastal line right now, but they're coming out with some new colors here later on this year. Um, but that has been a really big bait for me, thrown in on like 10-pound line, a uh, little three-down light wire jig head to trigger a few more bites. You know, and I think that is what you got to think of is, is, you know, as these fish get more pressure, they've seen all the bass tricks, all the swim baits, all the scrounders, all this, all that. <laughs> and so sometimes you have to – downsize a little bit and that is that that bait right there has done more damage for me offshore in the past few years than any bait i have in my box sounds like that's the uh, big question as of late is how finesse can we get in the offshore category and still keep our bait down in the strike zone right that you know 12 to 18 foot maybe maybe 22 23 foot range and um i feel like that's going to be the next trend moving you know you've seen some stuff with nico rigging out deep and that kind of stuff but i think that's where more of that is going to head as as time progresses and and until people start transitioning back to the bank (laughs) that's the pressure is going to be out there is going to force our hand to be a little more sneaky, like you were talking about earlier, finding those little sneaky spots. Now it's finding. Yeah, you find them suckers. Yeah, hey, you find them, Kurt. You you, you just throw a shoe in there and they bite it because they ain't been casting on. Well, ain't gonna bite Kurt's shoe. (laughs) Bro, I'm all out. I'm going up the river. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's time, but it's so hard to find a sneaky place anymore. God. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just try to find me some current and some rocks, maybe some boulders, and just get the silly bass that are just hanging around the rocks up in the. And those suckers are a heck of a lot easier to catch than a (laughs) hundred. They are. Sometimes these days, I swear, they are. Yeah, There's the toughest part is they're just not typically not as big. That's the problem, right? They're typically not as yeah, big. But sometimes you can do that and go get That's the right. rain and, and definitely have the tournaments. And now I know that I can just not worry about it first thing in the morning and I can go there in the afternoon and, and feel like there's more fish out deep because Jacob Wheeler told me so. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. Hopefully I'm, I'm not changing the wrong direction, but that's no, I'm just so. no, it's great advice. Jacob, it's time for our listener question segment of the show presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. For a 
Schultz from Arkansas sends in this question. Thought this was actually a great one for you with your line of rods. Forrest asks on rod and reel combos. There's so many options, easy to get lost as a beginner. Starting out, how many rods and reels should beginner own? That's his first question. How many rods and reels does he need to get going? Second question, should he get specific rods for techniques? If so, what actions? This is kind of a deep question, but right down your alley, you've got your own rod line out. How does Forrest get started with rods and reels combos? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a question you get asked a lot. You know, how many, obviously, we carry a lot more rods. Some of us is fishing out there on tour. But that you don't need all of that to get started, obviously. And and the thing is, I feel like the biggest thing is knowing what techniques you can use on each rod. You know, I do uh, suggest obviously getting a crankbait rod. I like a graphite composite. That's why I made a graphite composite cranking rod. For me personally, to fish, you know, shallower crankbaits and mid-depth crankbaits, I just feel like it loads better. And then a graphite rod by itself. Um, so that's I'm big on that for sure. Now, as far as you know, all around, you definitely need a spinning rod. You need a finesse rod. But the thing is, you know, I have a I have a seven foot medium heavy or medium action rod, and I have a seven two medium heavy. Well, the medium heavy is going to be able to do more because it has a little bit more backbone, but you might not be as good for that finesse side of things. So maybe you try to go to a. It's more of like a medium plus, I would say. It's sort of like that middle of the road deal where the medium action rod would be more for drop shotting, little small swim bait stuff like that. So I would probably go with like a heavier medium, like that medium heavy that I have out there. If I was if a seven two, that'd be more versatile. Throw a shaky head, throw your drop shots, you could throw your Nikos, you could do so many different things with that rod right there. So that's that's another big thing. And then obviously you're gonna need a seven foot a rod for like a medium heavy action rod that's more versatile day in and day out. I, I have a seven foot medium action rod. I throw a, a walking bait on it. I throw a buzz bait on it. I throw a little chatter bait on it. I'll throw spinner bait on it. I'll throw a big spinner bait on it. it, it I, I've thrown everything on it. So it's it's my go-to all around, all around rod. And then I would probably have a flipping rod. So I would say four rods and it's like a seven, six heavy. I would have four rods for sure, maybe five, but you can get away with four and really be able to um, attack any different scenario for the most part that you're dealt with out there on the water, you know, especially being a beginner that that's going to give you, I mean, you don't have to, you can go overkill. You can do two if you need to, you can do one and make it all work. It's just, if you're really trying to get serious about it, I think four odds is a good number to be serious and, and have everything that you need. Um, because if there's times that if you don't have the right action rod and you're trying to throw a lipless crankbait on just a standard medium heavy action rod or whatever, you'll lose quite a few fish. And it does hurt your hook to land ratio a significant amount. And I've seen that day in and day out. So that is part of the reason why you do, you know, buy the right action rods for the right techniques, but sometimes you don't need to get too over it. Well, very good stuff there, Jacob. Appreciate you helping Forrest out with this question. And Forrest, thank you for sending in the question. Uh, we do need one more thing from you, and that is to simply log on to BassEdge.com and go to the Claim Your Prize tab. Fill out the information so that we can send the Bass Edge gift directly to your doorstep and let us know that you heard Jacob answer your question right here on episode 329. And as a reminder, continue to fire in those questions to us, Bass Edge listeners. And we're getting so many good questions lately and uh, just kind of ups the ante of the show. Remember, you're going to have a shot at winning a Bass Edge gift if your question is shows, chosen to be on the show. So email us, support at BassEdge.com. Leave us a comment on our social media handles or simply log into the website 
BassEdge.com and fire us and ask the pros question. It's an easy tab just to click away. Well, Jacob, uh, certainly it's been too long, and it was uh, really great getting you back on the Bass Edge Airwaves. Thanks again uh, for your time today. Any closing thoughts as uh, as we shut this episode down? Yeah, man. I, I appreciate you all having me on. We, we went through a lot of different things. You guys, man, I'm fortunate to be able to get out here and hopefully start this, uh, get this Bass Pro Tour season back going, man. I'm, I'm excited for the remainder of the year, the FLW Pro Circuit, and what, we've got these super tournaments going on. It's going to be crazy. There's 208 guys registered. So that'll be, <laughs> That's going to be, be nuts, cool. right? It'll be <laughs> but um i mean it definitely uh I'm, I'm excited for those as well but i do appreciate you guys having me on you both are awesome really appreciate you guys doing this you bet jacob thanks so much great catching up look forward to seeing you at some events in the near future bass edge nation hang in there aaron and i will return in a moment you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment. The Powerful is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Kurt, I will say, I've got to compliment you. These episodes that you have been putting together with our guests, the content, their willingness to really dive deep into subject matter, we're on a roll. So the bar has been raised. Don't let us down. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, no pressure there. No, I just love talking with Jacob. I, I, I see him on the road now and then. Always very, very nice guy and um, always willing to help out uh, other anglers. We watched him grow, Aaron. I mean, we had him on early in his career, even though he won the cup at that time, you know, just following up through his upbringing in Indiana. Then he won the All-American, then the FLW Cup quickly after that. And then, you know, Bass Fest as an open angler fish in the Elite Series. Great FLW Tour career, moved on to the Elite Series. Now MLF, world champion, BBT winner. Dude, his list is crazy. It's stupid, actually. It really and, is. And he's still crazy young. <laughs> I know. And his, his maturity, and I mean maturity in the, in the sport of fishing, is really astounding. And when you look downfield of where else he can go, I think there's a lot of bandwidth left there. And, and he will be interesting to continue to watch as he evolves. And, and just the discussion about you know using three different brands of electronics, uh, that yeah. is at a different level. Yeah, it is. It is. So shout out to Jacob. Thanks again for being on the show, Jacob. And thank you, Bass Edge Nation, for tuning 
tuning in to another episode as we transition into summer. You know, this was our first kind of talk about fish moving out deep. Um, obviously, that is going to be a discussion, but really looking forward to discussing tournament action. So tournament action is coming up and uh, that is going to be exciting as well. So, man, uh, we're going to have a very, very busy summer and fall season, Aaron, which is typically not the case. But uh, it's going to be cool to see evolving transitions in that. And we're going to take a look at that into our next episode. So uh, y'all keep tuning in to Bass Edge Radio. We will keep bringing you the goods and uh, we enjoy having you here. Yeah, absolutely. I second that, Kurt. Certainly appreciate all of our listeners and uh, the Bass Edge Nation. In the meantime, be sure to stay up on all things Bass Edge through our social media, certainly the website, and then obviously uh, the Bass Edge store where we have uh, the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing book, and the list goes on and on. But in the meantime, everybody, be safe, be well, have fun, enjoy the upcoming summer, and we look forward to seeing you on episode 330 next time. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.